Welcome to the Practical Employment Law Podcast, a podcast covering all aspects of American employment law. I'm your host, Mark Chumley. I talk a lot on this podcast about avoiding illegal conduct as a way to avoid employment litigation. But the truth is that employers also engage in a lot of legal conduct that leads to employment litigation, and that's what I'm going to talk about today. I'm going to give you five things that employers do that are perfectly legal in and of themselves, but that consistently lead to litigation. For each, I'll tell you what it is, why it leads to litigation, and what you can do about it. So let's get started. Number one, workplace romances. Fishing off the company pier, as they say. The office used to be a primary place to meet boyfriends and girlfriends. Online dating, which thankfully became popular after I was married and which I find horrifying, probably has cut back on this issue, but I still see it quite frequently. Now, it might come as a surprise to some, but consensual relationships in the workplace are perfectly legal. But this is the Practical Employment Law Podcast, and as such, We must acknowledge that the human heart is nothing if not fickle, and the problem with workplace relationships is that they often end, and they often end in quite a messy fashion. And this is why they lead to litigation. As I said, a consensual relationship is legal, but if one half of the relationship withdraws consent, you may have issues with harassment. For example, if one party decides that they aren't happy about the end of the relationship, they may try to force the continuation of the relationship or retaliate for various grievances with how it ended. It's a short road from the end of any consensual workplace romance to the courthouse. So what can you do? Well, many companies have created various policies against coworker dating, often confining the restrictions to employees who report to one another. This is one option, but in my experience, these policies are often difficult to enforce, and companies should consider carefully how far they're willing to go in restricting this kind of behavior. The only other thing I would mention is that companies should take any complaint of harassment, even between people that they thought were dating, very seriously and never ignore that sort of a report. All right, item number two, nepotism. I define nepotism as hiring or giving preferential treatment to an employee because of a personal or family connection. Again, treating employees more favorably because they are your friends or family is not technically illegal. Maybe you have several people reporting to you, and you let that one guy slide on attendance issues because he's your poker buddy. Or, following up on the office romance theme, maybe the boss's girlfriend doesn't have to work as hard as the other employees. This is a very common scenario, by the way, and people often think it's sex discrimination, but it's not. One person is treated more favorably, and everybody else, regardless of sex, is treated less favorably. So it's not discrimination. Regardless, this kind of behavior often leads to litigation. People who feel they've been treated unfairly are more likely to bring a lawsuit, and nepotism really bothers most people. So what can you do? Many employers have anti-nepotism policies, and some have rules about things like relatives reporting to each other. These are all fine, but on a broader level, employers should take seriously any reports of unequal treatment, even if it's not tied to a specific protected characteristics. Employees can and should expect basic fairness, and if an employee is treated unfairly and can get in front of a jury, it's not unusual to see the employer punished, even if the evidence relating specifically to the legal claim is pretty thin. 
Item number three is not enforcing policies. I talk about this one a lot. Employers should not enact policies they are unwilling or unable to enforce, not because it's illegal. With few exceptions, employers are not obliged to enact policies, and when they do, they don't necessarily have to follow them. Now, obviously, I'm not talking about things like EEO policies or FMLA policies for covered employers. There are some policies you have to have and you have to follow. But there are a lot of discretionary policies that you have no legal obligation to enact. Let's take an easy example. Most employers have some kind of attendance policy, although it's not required by law. Now, policies create expectations on the employee's part, so if you don't follow them, there is often a sense of unfairness, and this leads to litigation as noted. Also, if you only follow them inconsistently, you open yourself up to claims of disparate treatment. Note how closely this can be linked to the nepotism issue. So what can you do? Employers need to be very careful about enacting policies that they can and will enforce, and they need to follow through and do that consistently. It also makes sense to periodically review policies and take an honest look at what is happening. If you find that certain policies are being ignored or inconsistently applied, they need to be reconsidered and possibly amended. Okay, item number four is conflict avoidance. Most people don't like conflicts and avoid them, and this includes managers. There is nothing illegal about foregoing conflicts at work. Maybe you have that difficult employee who is confrontational and if you say anything, you can always expect unpleasantness. As a result, you simply avoid the employee and let them do as they please. Let's assume they are not necessarily breaking any specific rules, but they still manage to cause drama. Maybe this employee is always blaming things on coworkers, demanding the best assignments, is generally rude to others, demands special treatment, takes extra donuts so others don't get any on donut day, whatever. This low-key kind of workplace bully can turn into a real morale killer in a workplace, and eventually co-workers feel victimized, and when co-workers feel victimized, they blame the manager of the company for not putting a stop to it. I've seen this kind of situation escalate many times, and it typically leads to litigation in two ways. First, someone quits and blames the company, claiming that the employee was allowed to harass them with management's knowledge. Second, a manager who has allowed the bullying employee to slide suddenly has had enough and abruptly terminates the employee without warning or proper documentation. Both scenarios are not driven by anything illegal like discriminatory animus, but they will lead to litigation very often. The answer here is to address problems as they arise. Managers don't have to be confrontational, but they need need to address issues when they see them And when employees report issues, even if they're not necessarily legal issues per se, managers should take action. Number five, being a jerk. That's right, there's no law against being a jerk. This is probably because most laws are written by lawyers, and after 25 years of practicing law, I can attest that a statistic I call the jerk quotient, or JQ, is unusually high in the legal profession. I actually called it something else, but this is a family podcast. At any rate, while being a jerk is not illegal, it is a common source of litigation. Some people are simply not cut out to lead or manage people, and they feel the need to do it by fear and intimidation. No one enjoys working for such people, and employees usually take the jerk's conduct personally, often linking it to protected characteristics or conduct. Of course, this leads to lawsuits. And, 
I should point out that these lawsuits are often difficult to defend. What do you say? The manager didn't hate the employee who is suing the company because of a protected characteristic. He hates everyone. This is the so-called equal opportunity jerk defense, and you have to think about how asserting that one in open court is going to look. The solution to this problem is don't be a jerk, and don't tolerate it from others. I've defended a lot of jerk bosses over the years, and I'm always surprised at how many other managers were aware of the situation and did nothing. Maybe it goes back to conflict avoidance, but the answer is the same. Bully bosses should not be tolerated any more than bullying employees. Both will land you in court. This has been the Practical Employment Law Podcast. Thanks for listening. Please watch for future episodes wherever you get podcasts. And if you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and leave us a review. If you would like to contact me about any aspect of the podcast, my email address is mchumley at kmklaw.com and my full contact information is in the show notes. This podcast was created for general informational purposes only and does not constitute legal advice or a solicitation to provide legal services. Although we attempt to ensure that the podcast is complete, accurate, and up-to-date, we assume no responsibility for its completeness, accuracy, or timeliness. The information in this podcast is not intended to create, and listening to it does not constitute an attorney-client relationship. Listeners should not act upon this information without seeking professional legal counsel.